Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. And today's episode is a is an episode that you guys voted on to what my next episode was going to be. And that film is the fan favorite, has a diehard cult following. It's one of the more popular entries in the modern Godzilla uh, films. And it is Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack. That was made in 2001. So this is the third film in the Millennium franchise. And it was directed by director, I believe this is how you pronounce his name, Shisuke Kaneko. Kaneko. Something like that. But, um, I first... I didn't see this movie in its entirety until after I was already grown and I was able to find it on DVD and all of that. But my first introduction that I had to this film, I was probably about 16, I would say. And, you know, we had direct TV at the house at the time, so that's whenever I was able to start catching a few other Godzilla films like Heisei films and, and all of that. But, um... I remember scrolling through uh, the guide one night, and I saw I saw the title of it, and I was like, "Well, what the heck is that?" And it was it was towards the end of the film, <clears throat> uh, during the big climactic showdown, and all of that. And so whenever I clicked on it, and I'm sitting there trying to watch it, I was so confused because, you know, that was a time we couldn't just yank out a phone. And look up and be like, hey, well, you know, what's this movie about? What's going on with it? And all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, like I turned it on and I remember sitting there thinking like, what in the world am I watching? Why is Ghidorah a good guy? Why does Godzilla look like that? You know, and like I, I watched, uh, I watched the remainder of the film and I was so confused whenever it was over. And I was like, man, when's it coming on again so I could catch it from the beginning to see what in the world's going on? And alas, I was never able to really catch it uh, coming on DirecTV again. And as I said, I was I was well grown. I was like 24, 25 years old uh, before I was like, okay, you know, let me, let me see if I can start scooping up a lot of these Godzilla movies and everything on DVD so that I can watch them anytime that I want. And that store, Hastings, that uh, I've mentioned before in some of my past episodes, it was open, and it had a pretty decent uh, Godzilla selection, and I found it. And I was like, oh, oh man, like, this is that movie, this is that one, like, let me, let me uh, get it and watch it. And so I watched it, and I honestly can't remember my opinion of it at the time, but, uh, like, you know, I'd always been like, okay, you know, it's decent. It's it's a decent little entry into into the franchise. I'm not, it's nothing to write home about as far as I'm concerned. And then I watched it just prior to doing this episode. <clears throat> and like, while, while I really enjoyed it, I kind of still have the same mentality about it. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't stand out to me as one of the better or one of one of my personal favorites or anything like that, but it was a decent watch. Uh, there are 
things about it that I absolutely love, and then there are other things about it that I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't really too much care for that. So that was my introduction to this movie and how I feel about it today. Now, before I really jump into the episode, um, for those of you that did not listen to my latest Kaiju Havoc, uh, number seven, I believe, that I posted on Wednesday, um, Thursday night, I was a guest on a live YouTube episode of a channel called The Monster Report, and the episode is about, the video's about an hour long or something like that, and it's just me and the host, his name is Nick, and it's just me and him talking about kaiju, how we got into the genre, what our favorite movies are, what our least favorite movies are, um... We show off a little bit of our collections, like our collectibles, action figures, and and stuff like that. And since it was live, there were people that were asking us questions, and we would answer those questions as they would come in live. So, uh, if you, if that's something that seems like it's up your alley, then by all means, go go check out the YouTube channel, The Monster Report, and... You know, I believe the name of the episode was just uh, the Monster Report Kaiju Carnage. And, um, you know, it's got my logo on there on the uh, thumbnail for the video and all of that. And then just watch it and just listen to me and him uh, talk about Kaiju and all of that kind of stuff. As far as the Patreon goes, I know I've mentioned my Patreon a pretty good amount to you guys, but I haven't really done anything with it yet. I'm about to start doing something with it. Like in the coming week or two weeks, I'm going to be posting my very first video. Um, it's been a while since I set the tiers and all of that kind of stuff. I'm probably going to revamp the tiers and make it to where it's dirt, dirt cheap for people to be able to subscribe to me. I'm talking like maybe the max tier would be like $5 or something like that. But uh, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to post a movie to the Patreon feed, but I'm going to have my headset in and I'm going to be giving my commentary on the film as the film is playing. So for those of you that would subscribe to that particular tier, like you would be able to get on there, watch the kaiju film and all of that, and you will be able to hear my commentary on it about what I like, what I dislike. I'll be throwing little fun facts in there and like how this scene was done and how that scene was done and all of that. I haven't really chosen what my very first film is going to be, but I'm leaning towards the 1962 American version of King Kong versus Godzilla being my very first uh, film that I do commentary on. So if you're into something like that and want to watch the movie and hear my commentary along with it, I will let you guys know whenever you were able to subscribe to my Patreon. And then, like I said, it's going to be like a dollar, two dollars, something like that. It's not going to be a whole lot. And you guys will be able to, uh, will be able to watch that. And yes, of course, like for those of you that did not, that haven't watched, or I'm sorry, that haven't listened to any of my episodes since last week, you will know that there are ads in the podcast now. I have officially monetized the podcast because I feel that the podcast got big enough to where I can, you know, just make some decent little side money off of it and, and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, it's just one ad. And if the episode goes longer than an hour, like maybe an hour, 10 minutes, hour, 
15 minutes or something like that, I include a second ad so that I can get more revenue because of it and all of that. I do not want you guys to think that, oh, I'm turning into this, I'm only doing this for the money kind of thing. I'm really not. It was just, you know, I've told more than one person that with the amount of listens that I get, I've really been a dead gum idiot for not turning on ads sooner so that I could start getting a little bit of revenue because of the podcast and all of that. So you guys are officially helping me make money on this. And if you haven't listened to my uh, Kaiju Havoc number seven, I did a big announcement for my 100th episode that's coming up. And, you know, you guys can go to that and listen. I'm doing a big contest, a big giveaway and all of that kind of stuff. And you'll have the chance to be a guest on the podcast and you'll have a chance to be able to choose a movie of your choice as to what I'm I, for me to do a podcast episode on and all of that. And the way to enter is super easy. All you got to do is just go follow all of my social media accounts If you already follow all of my social media accounts, that's fine. All you have to do is like either shoot me a message letting me know, hey, you've done it. I'm entered in the contest and all of that kind of stuff so that I know because I've gotten a few notifications to where I'll say like, you know, it'll be like, oh, Robert followed you on Instagram. And then I get another one where it says Robert followed you on TikTok. Or something like that. But I don't know if Robert was already following me on Facebook or already subscribed to the YouTube and all of that. So I don't know if if any of you are on all of my platforms now. So you have to send me a message so that I know, okay, you guys are now following all of my accounts and you are officially entered in the contest. Like you, you have to let me know that you've done it. Otherwise, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to be able to know. And I will announce the winner on one of my weekly Kaiju Havoc episodes. And uh, that's going to be on June 15th, my 100th episode. So, all right, guys, that's enough of all that build up and all that kind of stuff. So let's jump into the movie. So, as I said earlier, the film is directed by Shusuke Kaneko. And this guy, you, you're, you're, if you're a big kaiju fan, you, you pretty much have already dealt with this guy's work, whether you knew it or not. He was also the director of Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. He was the director of Gamera 2, Attack of Legion. He was also the writer of Gamera 3 and of Ultraman Max. So, like, you, <laughs> you know, like... Whenever you saw this movie, you've chances are if you're a big Gamera fan or Ultraman fan, you've already seen his work elsewhere as well. Now, this movie went through numerous script ideas, <clears throat> and this film is also a case of what can happen whenever studios interfere with the vision of a director which I'm never a big fan of studios interfering with the vision of a director. In my opinion, a studio hires a director to make this movie, you know, and let them do their job. I cannot stand, and like, just for examples, I'll use uh, Zack Snyder, David Iyer as uh, examples. 
you know, no matter how you feel about Zack Snyder or the DCEU and all of that kind of stuff, like, I, I, I cannot stand whenever a studio will hire a director, we want you to, to write and direct this movie. He writes the movie and then gives the, the pitch, like the script to it and everything, and then the studio's basically like, no, we don't like that. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. We want you to add this in, and we want you to add that in. Well, then, in, in my opinion, I'm like, what, what's the point in even hiring a director? Just, just going ahead and write a script of what all you want done and then give it to them, basically. Uh, Ishiro Honda fell victim a lot in the Showa era to studio interference with constant... You know, they would hire him and bring him back, and then they would say, well, we want the film to not be as dark. We want it to be more uh, lighthearted, or we want it to be more child-friendly or something. And they would force his hand and say, you have to make this movie this certain way and all of that. And then when the movie would underperform, and the critics and the fans would say, well, we didn't like this, we didn't like that, then the studio had the audacity to look at Ishiro Honda and say, why did you ruin this movie? <laughs> you know, so yeah, I'm just, I'm not a fan of uh, studio interference whenever it comes to, to making movies and all of that. And there was uh, definitely some studio interference with, with this film. So there were numerous script ideas that went into this movie before we actually got the final version that we got. Uh, one of the earliest versions of the script for this film was, it was basically going to be Godzilla versus Kamakuras. And for those of you, like, if the name sounds familiar, but you're like, oh, we don't know who that is and all of that kind of stuff, that is the giant mantis monster that was on uh, Monster Island in <clears throat> uh, Son of Godzilla. And, well, I say Monster Island. I don't think it was <laughs> that was technically Monster Island. But, uh, yeah, it's the giant mantis that was in Son of Godzilla. However... Whenever they first started talking about doing that film and they presented it, the studio said, no, we don't want that because <clears throat> Godzilla had just fought, <clears throat> pardon me, Godzilla had just fought a uh, insect slash bug type monster with Godzilla versus Megaguirus in the previous Millennium film. And so another one that they ended up doing, there wasn't a whole lot of details about this one that I could find. It just basically, everything that I could find said, Godzilla was going to fight an alien. And it was going to be in a very futuristic setting. But uh, the studio said, no, we don't want that because they, they claimed it was going to be too dark for a Godzilla film. And they wanted it to be more lighthearted, a little bit more funny, and all of that. And so, <clears throat> it was pretty much after that that the Guardian concept came about with the three Guardians, which is basically what we got in the film, but there were some changes that got made. But um, the Guardian concept got made, and originally, the Guardians that were going to be in the film was Baragon. He was still going to be in it. He made the final cut. But it was also going to be Angiris and Varan. Like, Ghidorah and Mothra were not going to be a part of it. And, <clears throat> uh, guys, I'm sorry, I have to keep clearing my throat. But, um, yeah, Mothra and King Ghidorah were originally not going to be a part of it. And I'm going to jump into the, uh, a little bit more details uh, with all of that here in a moment. But uh, one of the major changes that was done in the film from its original, the original Guardian concept was, as we all know, 
my boy Baragon. Uh, I don't I don't know how many Baragon fans we have out there, but uh, I'm I'm a big Baragon fan, and the fight between Baragon and Godzilla in this film is it's difficult to watch, you know, especially if you're if you're a big Baragon fan and all of that because he, you know, you got to hand it to him he he went down like a champion. He had no quit in him, and he was he was trying to fight to the to the bitter end. Well, up until that last part where he was just desperately trying to escape, but, um, he gets killed in the first encounter that he has with Godzilla. And then towards the end of the film, whenever Mothra and King Ghidorah show up, they kind of do like a double team slash tag team where it's not really both of them at the same time fighting Godzilla. They just kind of swap out, tag out here and there and all of that. And that's what we ended up getting in the original concept. Baragon was going to fight Godzilla first. Like that, that part stayed the same, but he was not going to be killed. He was just going to be incapacitated and he was going to be revived later on by a lightning bolt. And for the big climax, it was going to be all three guardian monsters going up against Godzilla at the same time. So the, the final fight that we almost got was... Anguirus, Varan, and Baragon going up against uh, Godzilla at the same time. All three of the Guardian monsters, they were revamped with the way that they normally look. They were all given more of like Guardian. They looked more like dogs. Like if you if you look and see some of like the little concept models that were made of them and all of that, you can see that they were really kind of like watchdogs. And I really liked the look of it, especially uh, Anguirus. I thought Anguirus looked very, very cool with this look. Um, I would have loved to have seen some form of this Anguirus, be it in a figure or a comic book or something like that, because I think I think it was a missed opportunity for another version of Anguirus because he looks he looks pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> so you guys know that in the film, whenever uh, the Guardians show up, it is the JSDF that pretty much gives them their code names. Well. They refer to them as who they are in the legends a pretty good bit, but at one point there's a scene where in the JSDF say, codename Mothra is moving here or, you know, something like that. So they, they gave them code names and their traditional names was originally going to be their code names in the original script. Like they had like ancient guardian type names that they were going that was going to be their actual names and then the code names was going to be just what japan referred to them as for example varan uh his code name was going to be varan but his guardian name was veradaki baragon was baragora and angiris was angira so uh that's another little change <laughs> that was made <clears throat> um the reason that they decided, that Toho decided to give Varan and Anguirus the boot and to add Mothra and King Ghidorah was because the previous film, Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, did not perform super, super well. And they put this on basically saying, well, they used an original monster to be the monster and 
this monster didn't have the selling power that uh, they had hoped, that they had wanted, and all of that. So they wanted this next installment to be a big moneymaker. They wanted people to sit there and be like, oh, okay, it's like all of these type of monsters are in there. Yeah, let's go watch that. And they wanted it to be a big success. And they did not feel that Angiris, Baran, and Baragon were big enough names in the kaiju world to really hit that selling point towards the audience. And so the studio said, we want Mothra and King Ghidorah worked into the script at some, like in some way. And so the director was like, can I at least keep Baragon and just replace, uh, replace Baran and Angiris? And they said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So Angiris and Baran were given the boot and Mothra and King Ghidorah were, were put in their place. Now, the, um, the problem, there are a lot of changes made in the Godzilla mythos in this film. And one of the big problems of including Mothra and King Ghidorah into the film was because the whole story, a pretty good chunk of the story, was written like Varan and Angiris were chosen specifically because in the mythos, they are smaller and weaker than Godzilla. And it was always supposed to be part of the story that the Guardians would come forward to fight Godzilla and that they were going to lose. And so it would make sense if he had kept the original three monsters being the Guardians because then people would watch the film and be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They're smaller than Godzilla. Basically, it would be about, uh, like I said, they looked like dogs in comparison to Godzilla. They came up to, uh, you know, about to his thigh in height. So, you know, he was much, much larger than all three of them. It would have made sense that he would have been able to defeat all three, whether all three of them jumped him at the same time or not. By putting Mothra and King Ghidorah into the film, it caused a little bit of fan backlash because whenever you watch the film now, you know that in the mythos, Mothra and Ghidorah They've, they've put up more of a fight against Godzilla than any other kaiju in history. I mean, you guys have heard me talk about Ghidorah's fight record with Godzilla in which Godzilla has never defeated King Ghidorah in one-on-one -on -one combat without some type of outside interference. Without the humans doing something to distract Godzilla or without other... I mean, to distract King Ghidorah or without other... Kaiju being there to have Ghidorah's attention, and while he's fighting them, Godzilla gets to jump on him or something like that. Like, Ghidorah has been known throughout history to be larger and more powerful than Godzilla. So now, all of a sudden, in this film, he is smaller and weaker than Godzilla. And not only that, for the first time and the only time in the history of King Ghidorah, he is seen as a hero as opposed to a villain in the franchise, the fan backlash towards Ghidorah was not very kind. Like, overall, people liked the movie. Don't get me wrong. I liked the movie. But it's definitely one of the low points every single time I watch the movie to where I'm like, it just doesn't seem right that, that uh, Ghidorah is 
a good guy, that he's a hero. And not only that, but whenever you see him measure up against Godzilla, Godzilla is just immensely more powerful than him. He's much larger than him. Like, it just, it just, it's, it just doesn't seem right. It just seems off. And as far as Mothra is concerned, Mothra also has a very, very strong fight record against Godzilla. And so, and Mothra also has like a diehard fan following just like Ghidorah does and just like Godzilla does. And so it didn't really sit too well with a lot of the Mothra fans that it seems like Mothra was just very much shoehorned into the movie, which obviously she was. Uh, the Shobajin are nowhere to be seen in the film, though there is a tribute paid to the Shobajin at one point, like right after Mothra uh, hatches out of her egg and she's, um, or out of her cocoon, and she's flying towards the battle. You see as she's going over the city that there are two twins that are watching her, and that was a nod to the Shobajin, even though they are not actually the Shobajin for Mothra in this film. But... <clears throat> Like, Mothra was just very much shoehorned into the film. She shows up, <clears throat> doesn't put up much of a scrap in the slightest against uh, Godzilla. She's been given a new attack to where she can shoot, like, little poison needles, I guess, from her abdomen. She very much is more like a butterfly than she is a moth. <clears throat> She no longer has, like, whenever she would flap her wings and create, like, hurricane gust winds and all of that, that's no longer there. She get, like, all, pretty much, like, she's Mothra in appearance alone. At least Ghidorah, you know, still had, like, some of his trademark things. Like, he had his trademark sound, which so did Mothra, but he had his trademark sounds, like his roar that he does, uh, he could harness electricity as his power. Uh, whenever he becomes full power, he can shoot like the gravity beams from his mouth. So you look at Ghidorah whenever, during the big final showdown, and really the only difference is, is like, okay, he's smaller and he's a good guy. That's really the only differences. For Mothra, like, no. Like, many of her techniques were taken away, and she was just, like, Godzilla just dwarfs her in this film. And it did not sit very well with a lot of the, uh, <laughs> with the monster fans or the Mothra fans that watched this movie. And so, yeah, again, like, that's why the director specifically chose the original three monsters. Because they were all going to roughly be about Baragon's size in the film. Maybe a little bit larger. Like, Anguirus seemed like he was going to be the largest of the three. And... He was going to be probably about twice Baragon's size or something. Because Baragon is very, very small compared to Godzilla in this film. And he chose those three because they are already, in the mythos, smaller and weaker. And by shoehorning in Mothra and King Ghidorah, it just did not look right to fans. It did not sit right with fans. And, um, you know, that's just that's what we got. Uh, the suit designer for the film, whenever... He was first consulted on doing the film. He was very excited about being able to do a suit for Varan because Varan was his all-time favorite kaiju. He was very excited. He wanted to put his own little spin, his own little twist on Varan. And whenever the, the orders came down from the top that Varan was no longer going to be in the movie and that Ghidorah was going to be in the film, 
Uh, he pretty much he was very upset, but he compromised by adding Varan's facial features to Ghidorah in this uh, in this film. So if you've ever wondered like why does Ghidorah's face look kind of off or very different from his uh, traditional look, it's because it was in his faces were intentionally made to look more like Varan. Um, some of the one of the other differences that we almost got in the movie was Godzilla nearly walked horizontally. Like, basically, like, very much hunched over. Very, very similar to how Zilla from 1998 walked. How he was very hunched over. His dorsals and his tail was horizontal and everything. And that's almost the look that they went with. Not the design, like the creature design, <clears throat> but the way that he walked, that was almost in this film, but it put too much strain on the suit actor, so they decided to go with the more traditional, he stands upright, but he has a very pronounced hunch whenever he's walking or whenever he's just standing there or whatever, because they did want him to look uh, a little bit different than the traditional Godzilla. Um, Godzilla's origin is... It's intact for this movie. Like, it, he definitely still has, like, his atomic origins and all of that. But also a fantasy element was thrown in to where, basically, this Godzilla is seeking vengeance because of all of the lost souls that happened during World War II. And this Godzilla is possessed by those souls, and he's seeking revenge for, basically, for World War II. Because while the original Godzilla <clears throat> had a very anti-nuclear message, they wanted this message to still be in this film. But the director also had, he wanted a very anti-war message. And so that's why, like, not only is the atomic stuff still in there, but also the souls of the World War II soldiers and all of that kind of stuff, uh, possessing Godzilla, uh is also into the film. Just like all entries in the Millennium series, this film disregards all of the other Millennium series entries and is considered to be a direct sequel to the 1954 Gojira. <clears throat> However, there is another film that shares continuity with this film. And anyone who has watched it, you know, you, you pick up on it, but you may not actually really piece it together there's a reference to the 1998 Godzilla in this film. It's towards the very beginning, whenever they're like leaning towards like, hey, we think Godzilla might be coming back or something like that. And there are two characters that uh, one of them leans over to the other. And he says something along the lines of, uh, the Americans seem to think that Godzilla attacked <clears throat> New York like a, a few years ago or something like that. And no, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. An announcement was made that there was a kaiju that attacked New York a few years ago because this film uh, was made in 2001. Obviously, the 98 Trisar film came out in 1998, so it would have been a few years ago. That's whenever one of the characters looks over and says something like, do you really think it was Godzilla that attacked? And uh, the other guy was like, the Americans seem to think it was Godzilla, but our guys have doubts. You know, so that was just, it was a little jab. It was a little jab from Toho basically saying that was not Godzilla. You know, you got, 
So yeah, it's uh this this film can kind of be seen. I wouldn't necessarily say as a trilogy because there's no connection to the 1998 film and this film other than that one little reference. But yeah, pretty much in this continuity that there is, it would go the 1954 Gojira, then the 1998 Trisar Godzilla, and then this film here. So all three of them share the same uh, continuity. So, all right, guys, that pretty much does it for Giant Monsters All Out Attack. Um, you know, overall, I like the movie. I, I do. It, it, it's a decent little movie and all of that. But like I said, it doesn't stand out to me. I do not consider it to be one of my personal favorites. Every now and then, you know, I'll be like, ah, I just, you know, sure. I feel like watching it and all of that kind of stuff because there are aspects about it that I like. I love the score. The score and the music to the movie is fantastic. The director's vision, even though he didn't get to do a lot of the details that he wanted to do, I love many of the scenes that he shot, the way the explosions look, the way that he implemented, like, the slow motion and all of that kind of stuff. Um, like, it's got some beautiful, beautiful shots in this movie. And I know that a lot of people love it. They consider it to be one of their all-time favorites. Uh, and I'm, I'm over here very perfectly content with just leaving it as, you know, one of the more entertaining entries in the Godzilla franchise, but nothing that I would write home about. So, all right, guys, that does it. Uh, again, I know I just said that a little while ago, but that does it for GMK Giant Monsters All Out Attack. So, all right, guys, um, I'm going to be taking a break from traditional kaiju films for a little while, uh, about a month, actually, um, because next Saturday, a week from today, at the time of this recording, begins what I'm calling Ray Harryhausen Month, because Ray Harryhausen, his birthday is in June, and I wanted to do an entire month dedicated to Ray Harryhausen. You guys know that I'm a massive fan of him and his work and many of the monsters that he created. So next week, I'm going to be kicking things off with a Ray Harryhausen Spotlight, which it's been a long time since I've done a Spotlight episode, but I'm doing one for him. I'm going to talk about his career and his life a little bit. And then after that, all through the month of June, on the Saturdays of June, I'm going to be choosing a Ray Harryhausen film to do an episode on. First up will be 20 Million Miles to Earth. After that will be The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. After that will be Jason and the Argonauts. And then the final film of uh, June will be uh, Ray Harryhausen's final film, Clash of the Titans, the original Clash of the Titans. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that. And um, <clears throat> uh, as far as the 100th episode goes, you know, you guys, I've already talked about how to enter the contest and all of that. Um, for the 100th episode, I'm going to be having... Uh, Kid Kong, as well as Ian. You guys remember Ian. He uh, he guest starred on my Megalon episode way back in the day when I did Godzilla vs. Megalon. And we're going to have a discussion about the original 1933 King Kong. Like, th they're going to come to the house, we're all going to watch the original movie, and then we're going to do a episode just discussing it, talking about how um, its legacy, its impact... 
um, how it changed the game for movie making and all of that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about what we like and what we dislike and all of that. And it's basically going to be just the three of us having a discussion about the, uh, the original King Kong. So I hope you guys look forward to that. So yeah, that's pretty much how all of that's going. And then on my other podcast, Cal the Kaiju Guy watches a movie airing tomorrow at the time of this recording. I'm going to be doing the Christopher Reeve Superman the movie because I'm a massive Superman fan and I want to I want to talk about that movie and all of that. So go find that podcast and you guys can listen to me uh, talk about how that film was made. So, alrighty guys, that pretty much does it. I'll make an announcement concerning the Patreon pretty soon. Be sure to go check out my live episode that I was on for the Monster Report with uh, Nick. And we'll catch y'all next time. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.